being in an incoherent state, I believe that like until we are elevated beings like Christ or Buddha, we are given a certain amount of energy a day. Mm. And when we're incoherent, we waste, we squander a lot of that energy. I, I see it as like a ping pong ball going all in all directions. And it leads to burnout, depression, all those things. And so we know what that feels like, many of us. I mean, if you're human, you know what feeling incoherent. <laughs> well, what's beautiful about coherence is that we've all had moments of flow. And when we're in flow, on a physical level, our heart rate syncs up with our breath, syncs up with our brain waves. The cascades of chemicals in our body shift from one of stress to one of rest and digest. We feel like there's enough time for everything. Hello friends, welcome to Curiously Wise Practical Spirituality in Action. I'm Lauren Wittig and I'm your host. And today I'm so grateful to have the wonderful Avin Banish as my guest. Before we dive into another amazing conversation here on Curiously Wise, let me introduce you to Avin. Avin is a board-certified ophthalmologist, a writer, a certified yoga teacher, and the host of the podcast, The Wholehearted Healer. Avin blends her years of wisdom as a physician, intuitive being, and transformational mentor to assist others in remembering their passion and purpose in life. Her favorite quote is from one of her teachers, Ramdas: We are each just walking each other home. Welcome, Avin. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. You and I got to have a great conversation on your podcast not too long ago. I I always like it when we get to kind of continue the conversation, but but to switch seats. So today I get to ask the questions. Let's just start with this idea that you are a physician and you told me you are still a physician. You're still working as a physician, but you also have this very spiritual practice that you have. And those are not two things that I find that come together very often, or at least I don't hear about those people who are doing it. And so let's just start with your journey. How did you get from physician to physician and what you're doing now? Sure. I actually think a lot of physicians come to the practice of medicine with a healer's heart. And whether that gets fostered or not through training is is something to discuss. But for me, I have always been a seeker. I would say even as a kid, I was raised Catholic and I was very into the mystics. I was, some would say like a weird kid. I was into meditating. And then I I kind of got into my, into medical training and I let that side of me go. I was a singer growing up. I let that go. And I got really into the, I mean, medical training is really intensive. And yeah. I sort of spent down a lot of other parts of myself in order to excel in that training. And I married to a surgeon and it wasn't until we have four children and it wasn't until my fourth child was born that I really recognized that the way I was living my life was not sustainable or healthy. Mm -hmm. And my youngest child was born prematurely in a crash C-section. I had just gone, I had been in clinic and I hadn't been feeling well, but I had been in clinic that morning and I had a routine OB appointment and they checked his heartbeat. It was like less than 10 normal baby's heartbeat is in the 130s, wow. 40s. And so that started this crisis, really, of which I had no control. And for me, up until that point, I really, you know, I felt like if I worked hard, if I did everything right, then I would, I could control life, which was <laughs> ridiculous. But that's what I thought up until that stage. And so 
James, it turns out he's 14 years old now and he is a phenomenal kid. He's doing great. We didn't have any idea why that happened. So it was great mystery of surrounding mm-hmm. the details of how he was born and why that happened. He was in and out of the hospital for about the first year and a half. But then, as most preemies do, he started to thrive. And it really wasn't until he started to thrive that I kind of the wheels fell off for me, because Mm -hmm. I think as mothers, we do that a lot. We kind of hold it together when we need to. Yep. And I just remember just being plagued by like questions of how did this happen? Why did this happen? And he was in and out of the hospital. So there were a lot of days when like we'd have to, I'd have to cancel clinic because he'd get sick. But I was just tenacious in thinking that I could just, the way I described it is like plate spinning. Like I could just keep on working and keep on having a surgical practice and raise my children and that nothing had to change, even though the universe was like, it's time to rest. It's time mm-hmm. to. And I ended up getting pretty sick in a lot of different ways. I ended up needing two major surgeries migraines, just I wasn't sleeping. I had signs of probably PTSD from the way he was born. And I finally, it was after I had about a what called ascending cholangitis that hospitalized me that required major surgery. And I remember I was recovering in our bedroom and I was planning like to just get back at it. I was like, just how many times can I get knocked down? And my husband sat on the bed and said, do you need to be struck by lightning to like step back and slow down? And uh, that's a good man. (laughs) It was interesting, though, because when I talk about it now, it sounds ridiculous how tenacious and it was a lot of my life was wrapped up in that role of physician. And I felt like if I step back, it was like an ego death or something. Mm -hmm. And so what's really interesting in my story is that when I surrendered, when I decided to step back very shortly after that, like I'm talking hours to days, I began to have an intense spiritual awakening. Like I began to see through the veil and have meditative experiences with light and beings and this sensation of overwhelming love without ever seeking that. Like I didn't know what was happening to me at the time, but Mm -hmm. it was, I've now come to understand it's a little bit like when someone describes a near-death experience, what happened to me, it was really dramatic and it really changed the trajectory of my life, how I see things, how I, like I was shown that just very fundamental things that when I started reading about the Christian mystics and about near-death experiences, there's so much language for this that's just kind of under the surface that so many people experience, but not many people talk about. Mm-hmm. Like these concepts of just that love truly is kind of the fabric of the universe. It's why we're here. We're meant to grow and love in relationship to one another. My fear of death went away. And I just, I just had this desire to to live in that space, to help others heal and awaken, to see if, to investigate if we could get to this space without having to be knocked onto our knees, as so many yes. of us seem to think we need to do, right? Yes. So many experiences of awakening, like after the death of a loved one or a divorce or a major illness. And I really think where we're moving in the future is to understanding that that's available to us without the suffering. Yes. Yes, because so many people I know, I mean, I, I'm an intuitive healer. And so my teachers and my network tends to be people who are in the healing arts, mm-hmm. you know, alternative healing arts. And to us, to a person, I, I would bet, I haven't like, like actually like charted out, but to a person, there was some big trauma that knocked them off of the trajectory they were determined to be on. Mm-hmm. and 
made space for this other way of being to come in. And I was like you, I had health problems. I had a child that I was afraid was going to die for for the first 25 years of his life. He's 30 now. But yeah, so in and out of doctors and managing medicine. And it's so easy to focus on the child, the issue, you know, and and I I did not have the same kind of job you did, but I was in, in the IT business when I decided I had to step out because my children needed me, you know, more than I could give them. And that's a that's a business you can't step back into because it moves too fast. Yeah. You know, so I knew that at the time. So it was the same kind of giving up my identity to do what you did to like, OK, we got it. We got to take care of this child and make sure that, you know, they survive and thrive. And yeah. It, and for me, it, it was really about that idea of control. Like I come back to that a lot because I yeah. think especially as physicians were taught that I'm an ophthalmologist. So I was trained as an eye surgeon. And there's a lot of you know, Necessarily, you need a lot of control in that surgery. It's very micro-based. It's steps matter. But when we broaden that out to think that we need to like control our lives, it's it was such an uphill walk at that time in my life. I mean, it was a busy time anyway. I had young children. But at the same time, when we sort of surrendered to this idea that the universe has our back and we may not always understand the way things are playing out. But if we can move in flow rather than thinking we have to drive the bus, mm. amazing doors open in in directions that I never would have suspected, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and the life just gets more magical. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I have a very similar kind of experience. Yeah. And it's it gets easier too. You know, you know when you're in the flow because everything just is ease. It just unfolds with ease. And but yeah, that t- that trying to control everything, which, you know, when your children are, are you know, sick or whatever, that's that's really I got to control everything I possibly can because I can't control this. You know? Well, and so. I think even before our kids are sick, I mean, oh, yeah, but I think we're really focus. we're awarded for being multitasking. Amazing women, right? Mm-hmm. The more we can, the more balls or plates we can juggle, the better people think we are. And so I think. For me, I look back at, you know, the birth of my youngest now as a gift. I mean, I'm so, you know, right. As I was just, I was talking to somebody just the other day, like we were, we were so blessed that James survived. I mean, when he was in the NICU, there were lots of, lots of parents who were going through the same thing as us, whose children didn't survive. So I don't Mm -hmm. to minimize. I mean, it was, I don't know what my perspective would have been if we had lost him. Yeah. It would have, you know, I might've gotten to the same area, but it might have taken a lot more time. But I sort of, I don't regret that time because it's, I just don't know who I would be if I hadn't gone through that and had that beautiful, and I just view it as a gift of grace, these experiences. And that I I also think that they're available for everyone. Like I don't, you know, I think a lot of times when people hear you're an intuitive or a mystic or whatever you language you want to put around it, Sometimes people feel like you're different or special or, mm-hmm. you know, that they couldn't possibly do that. And if you had asked me when I was 35, I would have thought no. But I really think that that's it's a part of the whole human experience that it's just something we've forgotten. And yes. I, that so many are remembering. And I think a lot of kids are being born. Young people remember it seems easier than we do. Oh, my God. I'm meeting all of these 20 somethings who are are on the path there. They know what their purpose is. They're already, you know, doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, 
at that age, I had no clue. <laughs> yeah. But there, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that the next generations are coming in a lot more awake, a lot more aware, a lot more remembering. Yeah. And, and I was pretty stubborn about remembering. It's like, I don't want to remember that stuff. Not consciously, but a lot of resistance. But it, what, what was really interesting to me is like after all of these experiences, I mean, I had so many different mystical experiences. I would sit down and be absorbed into experiences. It was all distilled into wake up and remember. So this is, this is wisdom that we inherently, I believe it's our birthright. I think we all are born knowing this and then we fall into a state of forgetting. And that's part of the adventure of life. It's just remembering. And it's my favorite quote from Ram Das: this idea that we're walking each other home because I believe being in relationship, being having conversation is, is part of that remembering. Like when I forget, you help me remember and vice versa. I, I think that's why I love this format of just having these great, great conversations with people, frankly, from all around the world who I never would have known without Zoom. Thank you, Zoom. <laughs> But I learned something about myself and about the world, about the universe, every time I have a conversation with somebody. And, and that is part of my, my purpose is to get the voice out there so we can get the message out there so we can help each other remember right? and, and move into this beautiful place where we can live in joy and peace and love and all of those great things. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you do now that's not the ophthalmology. So from that time, I, I was really looking to understand what was happening to me. My husband always jokes that like I was explaining things that were written in ancient yogic texts that I didn't know what the name was. So I have a Christian background. So I started studying the Christian mystics. There's a ton of mysticism, especially among female Christian mystics. And then I started to study yoga because there was a lot of similarity in, in what I was experiencing. I then studied meditation and energy medicine. And I, I like couldn't get enough of all these traditions. And so I started to teach yoga. I started to lead retreats. I started to do kind of mentoring sessions for individuals. I love the idea of collaboration and circle. And so I, I offer a couple of circles twice a year just for that sense of connection, collaboration, and, and sort of remembering as a group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I do these days. I also... Yeah. I should say, I also love sound. So I, I was a singer as a child and I kind of mentioned that I shut that down. So I found sound healing about 10 years ago. And so I offer that. I teach that in schools. I offer that to, to teachers and love. I, I just find that as, you know, there are just lots of different tools. Yes. So it's kind of what's in my toolkit to, to help facilitate that state of remembering. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. It's, I, I've done, you know, I'm just curious. It's like every time I hear about a new modality, it's like, oh, I want to learn about that. Oh, I want to try that. You know? yeah. It's like, and I did decide, it's interesting because I decided a couple of years ago that, that I was really taking courses to remember what I already knew. Mm -hmm. Like I need to be reminded because I had been told in meditation and I, I communicate with my guides pretty regularly that I had been a healer in many lifetimes. I'd been a shaman in many lifetimes and that I knew all this stuff. I carried it with me from life to life, but I didn't remember it. And, and it, so it's interesting because I hadn't thought about it in that frame that we are all just remembering. I just was thinking I have to remember, but yeah. Yeah, and when I really love what I've sort of come to after, you know, my son is 14 now, so 14 years, probably 13 years, the first year of his life. 
I would not say I was in a state of coherence, but <laughs> that a lot of these tools are pointing us towards coherence. They're just pointing us to that when we are coherent, when we are in alignment, when we're in flow, it's not like we have to do anything. When we're offering intuitive guidance, we're not the ones healing. I really feel that we just get into alignment enough to create a state where others can come into alignment mm-hmm. and remember themselves. And so that's, that's been a really kind of beautiful arc in that, yes, there's tons of modalities and tools, but at the end of the day, I think all of them just help us find coherence. Okay. So can you define coherence for me? I can. So heart coherence has been very studied. And I think what I love too, I love the intersection of ancient spirituality and kind of where science is catching up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we live in a really exciting time for that right now. Mm-hmm. So there's been tons of work studied. So the Institute of Heart Math, if anyone listening is interested, I'm sure many of your listeners know what that is, but it's this, it's this institute where they're looking at the heart's electromagnetic field and how we've really grown up in a very brain-centric society where we think, I think, therefore I am. But what's really amazing is they're finding that the heart can beat in a certain way when we are in a relaxed state, relaxed heart, open mind, that the heart becomes almost like the conductor of the symphony. And the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart, which when I first heard that as a physician, I was floored. No one taught me that in medical school. (laughs) But we know that, right? Mm -hmm. Especially I'm a very heart-centered person. I think you are too, probably a lot of your listeners. And so we know that when we are in that sort of relaxed, open-hearted state, we have knowing, gnosis, right? Or this just this understanding that almost defies logic. And we, we still want our brain. So we want a grounded logic, but we want to lean into the heart. And what's beautiful about heart coherence is that it's pretty easy to teach about because many of us today know what it's like to live in an incoherent state because <laughs> we're there a lot, right? So when we're incoherent, I'm stressed out. I feel scattered. My memory feels bad. Like I'm, I'm reaching that perimenopausal age. And sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder, oh my gosh, am I getting dementia? Yeah. Our immunity is not as good. We, the other really interesting thing about incoherent states is that we feel a couple of things. We feel like there's never enough time. Mm-hmm. Like we're so hyper-focused on time and how there's not enough of it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that we outsource our knowing. So like if I have a patient who comes to me for a third or fourth opinion, and as I'm talking to them, I can just see nothing that I'm saying is landing, right? Because they're outsourcing their, they want someone else to tell them what to do, but they can't receive it because they're just not coherent enough. And so being in an incoherent state, I believe that like until we are elevated beings like Christ or Buddha, we are given a certain amount of energy a day. Hmm. And when we're incoherent, we waste, we squander a lot of that energy. I, I see it as like a ping pong ball going all in all directions. Mm-hmm. And it leads to burnout, depression, all those things. And so we know what that feels like, many of us. I mean, if you're human, you know what feeling incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's beautiful about coherence is that we've all had moments of flow. Mm-hmm. And when we're in flow, on a physical level, our heart rate syncs up with our breath, syncs up with our brain waves. The cascades of chemicals in our body shift from one of stress to one of rest and digest. 
we feel like there's enough time for everything. So it's what's really interesting is like nothing has changed on my to-do list, but I know I'm get it done. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get it done today, I'll get what's important done today. Exactly. And we also then begin to, and some people may call it their gut, but we start to trust in our own knowing. We can hear our guides. We can hear like the way opens in a way that we may not have step by step, but we kind of trust that we're being guided. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have to, I mean, I think it's great to talk to your spouse and your girlfriends and about your next step. But we all remember like being in sixth grade, trying to decide like, should I date this boy or girl or should I not? And kind of just letting other people decide for us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, (laughs) and in that coherent state, our health gets better. I mean, that's what's interesting. We're in alignment, right? Our immunity gets stronger. Our, on a cellular level, we age slower. I mean, it's really amazing. Our digestion gets better. We've all seen really healthy people and it has nothing to do with age. I mean, we've all, I'm sure you can bring to mind someone in your life who you've been blessed with to be really coherent. Mm -hmm. For me, it was my grandmother growing up. You know, she was, she had presence. And I think coherence to me, the other word I would say is someone who has presence. Like she had tons of grandchildren, but when I was in her presence, she saw me Mm -hmm. and I felt, Mm. I felt better. Mm -hmm. So what's really amazing too, is there's all these videos on YouTube of a bunch of cuckoo clocks. And this is why I teach this to teachers, because imagine a teacher in a third grade class. She's coming in in the morning. She's had a terrible night's sleep. She, I don't know, spilled her coffee. She's late. She arrives into the classroom in that state. Children feel that, right? Versus a teacher who feels very rested, who has taken a few moments to feel heart coherence. It's not that hard to get into it once you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Her being in coherence impacts every child in that room. The same as you being in coherence affects your, the people living in your home, the pets living in your home. Mm-hmm. You being in coherence affects when you go to the grocery store, your, your interaction with the person checking you out, the people in line. So it's really, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. such a useful use of our energy. And it is really a way to transform the world. I think it's the only way. Yeah. And, and it takes, it's, it's countercultural in that it requires intention. It, it requires some practice. It's something that HeartMath Institute can show you. You know, there's tons of YouTube videos on it, but you can get better at being in heart coherence. Mm-hmm. And, and so I find it really exciting. It's something easier to teach and talk about for me than, you know, my mystical, because I don't know how I got there. That was a right. gift. <laughs> and even meditation. I mean, some people, meditation feels very natural to me now, but I understand that if, you know, you have a, a thousand things going on, that meditation might be, feel out of grasp for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that, I think I said this to you before we got on here, that for me, I can't keep track of time anymore. I mean, I I have reminders on my phone, reminders on my calendars, you know, so I don't, I don't miss something important, but I literally this week on what I discovered was Monday, I thought it was Friday. (laughs) It's just and and it started during the pandemic for me where, you know, we just didn't have markers for times. But it's gotten more intense even since I've sort of come out of my shell from that. And I feel so heart-centered. So 
easily now. And I don't know if that sort of developed during the pandemic. I know I was already working on it, but I feel like that that pause in life allowed sort of all these things I had been soaking in and, and learning and practicing to just kind of settle. Because I do, I do, I feel like I just walk around with just my heart kind of always, you know, just like spreading this lovely heart energy. <laughs> and I don't have to do it so consciously anymore. And I love your comment about the, the grocery store line, because one of my favorite things to do and one of the ways I practice this was you get in a grocery store line. People are grumpy. It's the end of the day. They got to go home and make dinner and the kids are, you know, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's getting a little ee, 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 and and the poor person checking them out is just like taking it all. And I love to do things like turn around to the person behind me and and just smile. Or if there's a kid, you know, <laughs> you know, or when I get up to the the cash register and you know, and I'm checking out and I can see this person right? say, so, you know, you handled that last check out really well. I was really, you know, really impressed by how you you kept your cool. <laughs> it's like, and they light, you know, and then that trickles down the line, you know. And everybody who comes into that person, that checkout person's energy now is lifted up a little bit. It's one of my very favorite things to do. Yeah. And I, like I don't this. mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm always in heart coherence. What I, no. what I find good about this practice is that we all, I think it's human to get, I mean, I'm not sure we're supposed to be in heart coherence. There's a time to be stressed out and to, you know, if you're, you're driving and you almost get in an accident or mm -hmm. so, but I, what I find helpful about the practice of it is that we, we can find or calibrate back to resonance or coherence quicker intentionally. Yes. Right. Until eventually yeah. we can fall into it without trying so hard. And I think right. that's what you're describing. Right. Right. And it, it, I mean, I, I, I refer to it as practice because I had to learn to consciously realize I was feeling this stress energy and soaking it in. Because I'm like, what? I can't believe it's taking so long. <laughs> Make a choice to change, take a breath, and then just take advantage of whatever I could do to lift the people around me. And sometimes it's just being the peaceful one in line. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can smile at somebody or you can you know, compliment them on something they've done. And, and it just lifts everybody, makes every, you know, it ripples out. So, well, and you know, you mentioned, I talk a lot about the sacred pause. So for yeah. me, when I look back at, you know, that really busy time in my life, when I was working full time, I was still trying to do surgical cases and, and get, you know, my older kids to school and daycare and get my younger child settled. <laughs> there was no pausing. In fact, pausing felt dangerous to me. Mm -hmm. I write about that because, you know, you, you feel like, well, if I, if I slow down to really take stock, I might just have to burn this whole, like blow it all up. And that feels, you know, you're like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I do all these things today, right? And so we kind of just ignore it. And for me, and I think a lot of women, it, it came out as health issues. Right. I on the surface in my conscious mind, I'm like, I am doing it. I am holding it all together. And then I would get like a facial cellulitis and need like a, an emergency tooth, you know, pulled or I'd get mm -hmm. really sick one night and almost die from ascending cholangitis all the while being like, I've got this, you know. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I really feel like if you're if you're driving in a car at 95 miles an hour, you don't you can't really take stock. 
right? You're too busy driving at 95 miles an hour. So for me, the first step and the step that I offer to others is this idea of a sacred pause Mm -hmm. because in that pause is the liminal space, right? The space between no longer and not yet where time expands. Time only exists in the third and fourth dimension. If we're existing or resonating in the fifth dimension, uh, which sounds a little trippy in quantum physics at the moment, but that's when there's enough time for everything. Mm -hmm. And we start to notice the beauty around us and the beauty in our children rather than, you know, me being annoyed at my teenager's room right now. And so we dip into that space when we allow ourselves to pause. And I think if if we can consciously approach this, then we may not have to blow up our lives like you and I had to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I stepped out of medicine completely for a number mm-hmm. of years. And eventually I stepped back in because I feel, I really feel from in a, like a, a state of coherence, a state where you're aware that love is the center of everything. You can bring that to anything you do. And we need yeah. people to bring that in all walks of life. We don't all want to be, I mean, I love leading retreat, but I also think, you know, physicians and teachers and and store clerks and every, I mean, if, if we're mm-hmm. all, we, we all need to do this in order for like everyone to rise, yes. to, which is what we want. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think it's, it's part of why so many people are, I call it coming online now, who are, you know, are remembering and they're, they're waking up and they're, they're moving down a path where they are working with the flow, where they are go, moving with the flow, the heart's opening. And every one of us is sending that ripple out. Mm-hmm. And that's going to entrain or, you know, help lift anybody that it touches. And it's, it's lovely to see so many people who are beginning to understand what you're talking about and to live from that place of, you know, heart-centeredness and coherence and, and you know, they're learning how to share it, but they're, they're still doing it. So even if you don't know that you've gotten there yet, but you have, Every time you walk through someplace, you're you're sh- you're sharing that vibration, that frequency. Yeah, and it's just it's yeah. I get excited when I get in, amidst a group of people who are aware of that their heart energy, because it's like it's like it's a high. It's, you know, it's just it just feels so good. It does, and then you know, it's I had a vision once, and I I was in a a very beautiful group, a three year group. It was called Spiritual Transfer, Spiritual Deepening for Global Transformation at the Christine mm. Center in Willard, Wisconsin, mm. where the same circle of about 30 people met every few months for three years. And so that it was just a beautiful depth of wisdom and experience. Mm. And I had had this meditative experience where I kind of was in, I call it the field. It's where I go when I'm sort of absorbed in meditation. But this particular experience, I saw all of these points of light like in all directions, as far as I could see. And they were, I knew that they were connected to me, not all of them, some of them more than others, but they were also reflective of light. And so when I described this, there was a Jungian analyst in the group and she said, that sounds a lot like Indra's net, Indra's web, which was this ancient Hindu description of the universe. And this idea that we are mirrors for one another. And so Many times since that awakening, as I've come to call it years ago, I have fallen deep asleep again. You know, I am not an awakened light being. I'm having glimpses, as I think so many of us are, but I'm not holding that resonance. And so 
it is so key at those times that I can find others who can be in heart coherence and help and train me. That sometimes it's my husband, sometimes it's a stranger, sometimes I don't even know, right? I read the right book falls in my hand. I meet the right person. I have the right conversation, but that none of it's an accident, right? So this, for me, it's this deep understanding that the universe is benevolent, that love is really the energy, that if it's not love, we've simply forgotten and that, you know, we'll, we'll awaken to it eventually. And that we are to be that for one another because, right, and until I'm or you are right at that Christed stage where you can hold that resonance, we mm-hmm. need another to help remind us. I mean, I yes. think that's, I, I kind of view being alive as being in school. And mm-hmm. I think that's the curriculum, yeah. like loving someone else enough to help them back into resonance and not just ignoring and not just pretending they don't exist or getting angry. There's mm-hmm. so much incoherence and dichotomy right now. Yeah. And I and as the system shifts, I think that's normal, right? To forget, yeah. remember, forget, remember. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We will remember and we'll enough of us will stay in that resonance so that it will kind of help everyone remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I do believe that we will get there. I am in that resonance far more often than I used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and every year it gets it gets easier and easier and I'm and I'm able to do it with less and less conscious, you know, I need to let me tap tap into my heart and right. take a breath and hit ground. You know, I have my routine, but it's becoming just part of who I am. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm older than you. <laughs> but it's it's something that is definitely growing. And it's also the other piece of that that I haven't thought about in a while, but in the early days of me learning how to lift myself up energetically and then, you know, falling down again, I would get kind of angry with my guides. It's like, why can't I just hold it? And they're like, well, you need the contrast so that you recognize when you have lifted up and when you have fallen out of that space that you now would rather live in. And that contrast brings your attention to it so that you can consciously make a choice about it. And it was like, okay, I still didn't like this idea of contrast. I just want to live up there. But I have less and less contrast. But boy, when I, when I experience that, it's immediate. I immediately know, oops, I have slipped out of the sweet spot. And I can get back much faster that way. So there is that, that, that falling out of it, forgetting, and then remembering again. And, but that contrast, if you learn to look for that or be aware of it, is a great reminder that you're not living where you'd like to live. Pull out your tools, you know, tap into your heart, get back up there. And eventually it just gets easier and easier. So I'll just. Yeah. And and I also, I I really am a believer in grounded spirituality. Like it's for me, it's Uh out in that beautiful field or this or space as I call it like in meditation for mm-hmm. a long time. But as oh, yeah. Rob said, like if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Right. So yes. it's how can I bring this into the practical being human, right? Mm-hmm. So that when mm-hmm. I'm in a busy clinic or what when I am running late with my children in the morning or something doesn't go my way or so for, it, it really is also how like a practical yeah spirituality and how can I, how can I be in coherence when, geez, the universe is testing me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you ball out of it. And 
And so maybe, you know, I fall out of it instead of a year for a week or two. And then yeah. I'm like, whoa, 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 let's get back. You right. know? Exactly. Exactly. So you notice the contrast. You don't have to right. wallow in the pain for so long. You notice it and you have tools now right. to help you move back up into that that higher level of living, that that more heart-centered space. Yeah, that's been one of the, you know, big lessons I had to get early in the days because I was resisting and I would forget or I would fall out when I didn't have others around me, like you were talking about. And it's so it's yeah, I don't need that as much. Let's let's take just a minute or two here because we're just about to the end of our time. But to talk about circles, because I back in 2018, a couple of years before the pandemic, I founded what I called the Wise Women's Circle. And I had, gosh, I think I had close to 40 people on the mailing list by the time we stopped for the pandemic. Unfortunately, it didn't translate to Zoom in the early days because we didn't know how to Zoom yet. But it was such a transformative community for me. And I was, I was the, the, you know, the person who ran it. So I, which was not something in my comfort zone, but I kind of was in the flow and other people helped pull it together and supported me, you know. But it was such an amazing experience for confidence, for expansion, for dealing with a lot of the crap going on in my life, which other people were also sharing, you know, in their lives. So talk a little bit about your experience because you run circles, right? Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about why you do that and, and what you see, what, what value are you finding in there? Well, I mean, one of my lessons from my spiritual experience over the years has been that when we are, when I'm in flow, I feel less separate. I feel less alone. I feel more part of everything. And so I think, especially as busy women, we feel like in our family, we have, you know, most women I know are the ones feeling like they're doing it all or the vast majority of it in terms Mm -hmm. of working outside the home and and doing the finances and keeping the house clean and getting the kids where they need to go and just kind of running the ship. So I think first and foremost, just this idea of coming into circle is an ancient idea. I think women have been doing it for as long as they have been on the earth. I think there's something very comforting about being in circle. We feel less alone. We feel more a sense of belonging that I, I, I think that's a real lack you know, from teenagers, from children up in our society right now. And so, so that's the first thing. But then I also think there's this great power in, in the coherence of groups, right? So I now really believe that, that a small number of groups of people in coherence shift the world in logarithmically bigger ways than one-on-one. I mean, Christ said, you know, like when two or more are gathered, right? And so I think that idea of be people in coherence, supporting one another, learning from one another, helping helping someone else remember just by sharing their story. Or it's not, you know, it's not stuffing wisdom down anyone's throat. It's just like, wow, that's you too. You have that mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. yeah. That's really the most amazing. So I, I, you know, I help facilitate a circle. I don't lead it, right? I don't think there's mm-hmm. any real leader of a circle. You want someone to guide you know, just how the flow works. But yeah. I think the magic really comes from just trusting that this really unique group of people are going to gather and coherence and love and 
the universe will sort of take it from there. And, mm -hmm. and that, that power of gathering is just the key. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I learned, or the, not the one thing, but the thing I learned pretty early with my circle was that everybody always left that circle feeling better than when they got there. I mean, you could see people's faces change as the conversation took place. And it, we just learned so much from each other that we were not alone in the path that we were on. And I had had that experience with a circle at, in college that was not just girls, but was for the kids of, with parents who, had, who were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. and, and that was my first experience with the, the huge benefit of community learning that I was not alone in my experience with having an alcoholic parent. Yep. And that it validated me and it validated my experience and it validated my feelings. And, you know, and that was very powerful and very empowering because I could claim it as my own and see and know what source was. Yeah. And the conversations we had in those circles were that same kind of validating for each other, sharing the experience some people had more wisdom than others about things, you know, and they would share that. And, and everybody felt stronger, happier, just more, I think, more coherent, less chaotic, more coherent when they left well, that circle. Yeah. I mean, I think healing, I think the future is collaborative and connected. I mean, the Dalai Lama, I believe it was the Dalai Lama said, like, the next Buddha is the Sangha, right? Meaning, like, the next you know, a sangha is like a circle, right? Okay. So that really, it's less about me. It's more about us. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that's a good place for us to stop. <laughs> I love, I, I do love the circle, the ideas of circles and the, and the communities that that creates. And I'm looking forward to creating another one sometime soon. I don't know when yet, because I'm waiting for the flow to take me there. <laughs> there you go. So I've been asking everybody this one question that I'm interviewing this year, and that is, do you have a must-read book that you would like to share with us? So many books. There are two books that I read uh, at least once a year, and I have for a number of years. The first is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I think that book, you know, in that book, Viktor Frankl was a physician in a concentration camp in the Holocaust, kind of amazed at the potential and possibility for humans. He He was a psychiatrist and really saw that our power lies in our ability to choose our response no matter the circumstance. So anytime I'm having a good pity party for myself, I pick up that book and I it gives me perspective. Mm -hmm. The other one that I that I love and I've given many times as a gift is this book Becoming Kuan Yin, The Evolution of Compassion by Stephen Levine. Kuan Yin to me is I'm very heart centered and Kuan Yin is the is in Buddhist temples, she sits sort of at the back of the altar, supposedly whispering to the Buddha. So she is, to me, this really beautiful embodiment of strength and divine feminine. And I just love the book almost reads like a fairy tale. It's a short mm. book. And it's I just I get something new every time I read it. Out nice. It. Yeah. Nobody's recommended those yet either. So something new for the list. Great. I haven't read either one of those. So I, I'm. I've got like a to be red pile. In, you know, like, it's just it's going to topple over, except most of it's in my Kindle. So that helps. There you go. <laughs>
All right. So let's tell the listeners where they can find you. Sure. I have a website, avinebanish.com. I have a podcast, The Wholehearted Healer, that I just have conversations with people who I, I think are really inspiring and that they're they're staying soft and open-hearted when facing what's going on in the world. I run, you know, on my website, you can find different offerings and circles. I offer one-on-one, you know, mentorship. I have some socials. Maybe we can link those in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for this conversation. I've learned a lot. Thank you, Gained language, which is always useful to me. I like to be able to describe what I'm doing or what I'm feeling. So that's that's helpful, too. I appreciate it. And I, I really have enjoyed this conversation as well as our previous one. And so bye. So I, uh, I'm grateful that you took this time to be with us. And let's see, I think we've come to the end. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank the listeners for being here. I hope that you, too, have learned something new about this lovely heart opening journey that we're on. And I will see you the next time on Curiously Wise, Practical Spirituality in Action. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today on Curiously Wise. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future fabulous conversations. And if you had any ahas, please share them in a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to pay forward the unique wisdom we all have. If you want to know more about me or my intuitive energy healing practice, Heartlight Wellness, please head over to my website, www.heartlightjoy.com. Curiously Wise is a team effort. I am grateful for the skill and enthusiasm Arlene Membrot, our producer, and Sam Wittig, our audio engineer, bring to this collaboration. Our music is Where the Light Is by Lemon Music Studio. I'm Lauren Wittig. Please join me again next week for another episode of Curiously Wise. From my heart to yours, may your life be filled with love, light, joy, and of course, curiosity.